Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. Vaccine in the Cherokee Nation. Now, the vaccine is not only used to save us from COVID-19, but also save the Cherokee Nation's language. Not even 2,000 people are fluent in the Cherokee language, and this number continues to decrease due to COVID. The Cherokee Nation has done relatively better at controlling the virus spread. Out of 12,300 cases, 69 have died, and 30 of them were native speakers. The tribal government decided that Identified Cherokee speakers will be among the first to receive the vaccine after frontline healthcare workers to preserve the language until it can be passed down. Now, how cool is that? The principal chief took office prioritizing preservation of the language and now is emphasizing it. The tribe wants to ensure the survival of life, but also culture and identity. Over 600 speakers have been vaccinated, and along with the speakers, the Cherokee are prioritizing the elderly, which is building more trust in the vaccine. Many people, including the fluent speakers, find honor and responsibility in getting the vaccine to help preserve the culture. Language is a particularly important part of any culture, so hopefully with the push of vaccines on fluent speakers, the Cherokee people can achieve their goals. And yes, we are so grateful for that. And the preservation of language is incredibly important. And uh, we're so happy to hear that. Navigating dating during the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's no surprise that finding a relationship partner has become harder during the pandemic. Since we have limited contact with other people and we usually spend our time around the ones we're closest to, it's not so easy to meet new people. But chatting up a stranger at a bar truly sounds like a thing of the past. So how do we meet people? Now, this is a question that many Americans have faced through the pandemic. People's feelings of loneliness have been compounding for close to a year now. Dating apps like Tender and Hinge and Bumble, they're all great to get the ball rolling. But once you meet someone online, how do you go about meeting them in person during a pandemic? Socially distanced meetups and mass encounters don't really sound ideal for a budding relationship, or they don't certainly scream romance, but it's the reality we're faced with in this new COVID normal. Now, as the New York Times put it in their article, true stories of hooking up during COVID-19. New world, new rules, same old problems. People have begun to calculate the risk of meeting up with a stranger. This longing for contact with another person has driven some to consider the risk of COVID-19 exposure versus the reward of meeting up with a potential partner. For now, the safest way to develop a relationship is virtually or socially distanced by using FaceTime, texting, Zoom, or just socially distanced walks or meetups. It's not ideal by any means, but it's the safest way to develop a relationship. And once you feel it's time to take it to the next level, having one partner and an in-person contact with just them may be a safe way to mitigate unnecessary exposures. And hopefully soon we can go back to trying to find new partners at bars or arcades or wherever you search for that one. 
And yes, you could tell I've been married for a long time because do even people go to arcades anymore? I don't know. How Dr. Fauci's experiences with the HIV AIDS epidemic helped him deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, throughout the pandemic, Dr. Anthony Fauci has become a prominent figure in everybody's life, regardless of the profession or orientation with healthcare and public health. Dr. Fauci has been a crucial navigator throughout the COVID-19 pandemic for the American public. And I also may add that, yes, he has made infectious diseases doctors cool again. Well, it may be strange to think about Dr. Fauci outside of the context of COVID-19, especially for those who aren't very well acquainted with the public health profession. But Dr. Fauci has had a long, trying, and successful career for many years before the pandemic dealing with other public health concerns. Dr. Fauci worked with the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, a division of the National Institutes for Health in Bethesda, Maryland. His contributions to various projects had outstanding results. He helped develop treatments for diseases that were once fatal and went on to have great outcomes and high rates of remission, including a form of vasculitis, which is an autoimmune disease. In the 1980s, Dr. Fauci was an integral piece of research treating HIV when little known was about the virus. Dr. Fauci recalled a 15-year period where there was no effective treatments for HIV, and unfortunately, many of our patients died. But Dr. Fauci went on to take the top position at the National Institutes for Health. He used this position to heavily advocate for NIH funding and to support research in HIV. Dr. Fauci found innovative ways to work with HIV activists and facilitate productive partnerships. Dr. Fauci's experience working in research to treat people living with HIV did prime him to handle the COVID-19 vaccine, specifically facing many issues of uncertainty about the virus and lack of information in the early stages and not having highly effective or specific treatments available. His experiences have made him a perfect candidate to navigate to the U.S. during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Dr. Fauci, we would love to have you on the show. We know that you listen to this show. No, we don't but we pretend that you do. We know that you listen to the show. We would love to have you call in. We would love to have you join us on air. Uh, and uh, we would love to actually read that story for you. And as somebody who's been an HIV doctor for the past 20 plus years, I just want to say thank you for all your work. Singapore's universities enact rigorous and successful COVID containment programs. Now, college campuses across the U.S. are hotspots for contracting and transmitting COVID-19, greatly exceeding the threshold of transmission of public health organizations used to designate a community as a high risk. Campuses in the nation also have a higher chance of becoming super spreaders, putting whole communities at risk. And Singapore, on the other hand, has not seen cases of contraction at any of its three major universities. Huh. I wonder why. I bet you we're going to find out in a moment. This is because they've implemented a three-point COVID-19 management strategy. The National University of Singapore describes the strategy as containment, decongestion, and contact tracing. By containment, the university means that the campus was divided into five zones, and staff and students were assigned to a zone in which they must remain. 
To decrease the congestion, the universities established a hybrid learning program to minimize the number of people on campus and created a business continuity plan for employees. The president of the university says that the campus is at no more than 60% capacity at all times. Now, they also decreased congestion by monitoring high traffic areas such as the cafeteria. Now, if it's crowded, they do send out an advisory on their University Safe app to encourage those on campus to avoid it. The university also offers free food delivery to curb cafeteria attendance. The University Safe app is also used to report temperatures twice a day and conduct contact tracing, and students must be cleared in the app to board buses and buy food. Wow, I am so jealous of Singapore. That is amazing. All right, now Singapore's government has had a much more rigorous pandemic response program. Yes, I can definitely see that. Providing free testing and medical care to all citizens and long-term residents. They also enacted penalties for violating pandemic restrictions, such as revoking work passes. This is amazing. I love this story, and I hope that we could at some point maybe follow in those footsteps. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to noisefiltershow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc? Protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.